Hi, this is Larry Correa, and you're watching Costly Conversations. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Costly Conversations. I'm super excited because we have the one and only Larry Career, Korea, author of the Monster Hunter series and the brand new book, In Defense of the Second Amendment. Fantastic read. And we want to talk to him a little bit, but a little bit about that today. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Larry. And uh, I guess tell us a little bit about the book. Like what's going on? Like what inspired you to, to write this book, which is unfortunately timely? as it seems like always in the second amendment community, uh, it's, yeah. it's, it's timely. So what inspired you to write this uh, book? Well, um, I, I am, I'm a novelist by trade. That's what I do. I, I, I've written 25 novels and uh, they're pretty popular. I do pretty well. But before I was a writer, I was actually in the gun business. Uh, I was a firearms instructor. I was a CCW instructor. Uh, I was an SOT seven. So I did machine guns, suppressors, that kind of thing. Uh, I've been involved in gun rights my whole adult life. And, uh, I kind of always been a big believer in the Second Amendment. And then uh, years later, after I had a really successful writing career, I'm a, a best-selling author. Uh, one of my editors who had edited my fiction books had gone over to a nonfiction house called Regnery. And uh, they wanted to do a big um, Second Amendment rights book. They wanted to do a Defending the Second Amendment book to try to move the needle on the conversation, uh, to try to help people understand the gun rights battle and to you know help people on the fence you know, learn the facts and truth and help people on our side, you know, articulate better arguments. And uh, they said, okay, who do we know who can write a book for us, who knows this stuff like the back of his hand, but who's a good writer, who's a, who's a storyteller. And uh, this one editor is like, Hey, I got, I got the guy. He is the, the gun nuttiest guy in fiction. And uh, I mean, I, I've been doing this my whole career. And uh, the other, the other people there was like, well, I don't know. He's not a pundit. He's not on Fox news. He's not a, you know, he's not a media guy. Is he going to be the right guy? He's a science fiction author. What's he going to know about this? And the editor's like, no, trust me, this is the dude. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I've been having a lot of fun with this. And honestly, this is a uh, subject I'm super passionate about. And I would have wrote this for free. You know, don't don't spread that around too much. But <laughs> no, I, I, no, I'm just a Second Amendment guy. I'm a gun guy. Uh, I, I come from the gun background, gun culture, and I've been fighting this fight for three decades now. Yeah. And I've, I've, I've heard every argument you can hear. I've, I've heard every excuse. I've heard every uh, proposal. And I just wanted to go through and just take them apart one by one by one and just try to help people, you know, get the facts and arm them with the truth. So yeah, actually, in, in the in the book, uh, in defense of the second, if you guys haven't checked this out, it's according to the release schedule it should be out today. Um, that said, you actually have a chapter dedicated I think it's either four or five to really just pulling apart literally every single gun argument that you hear from really un unfortunately uneducated people. I really wish they were educated and like re really bringing, you know, arguments that made sense that maybe we could kind of go back and forth and come to some sort of understanding. But like silly stuff like, oh, why do you need a weapon of war? And I love how in the book you, uh, and I don't want to spoil it, but I guess we're going to do that a little bit today. Um, Spoiler, I love like, guns. <laughs> hey, hey, you know, I, I do too. And in, in the book, you said, um, you know, even uh, some of the, the Remington rifles and, and shotguns and, you know, things like that, which seem like, oh, those are kind of innocuous. 
uh, classic American guns that are used for things other than, you know, mass killing or quote unquote mass killing and things like that, um, that those are even in, in some instances more effective and more powerful for the for the purposes of destroying human flesh, and which is just an unfortunate side effect of of some of these things, but also unfortunately necessary if you are talking about defending your home from, you know, invaders or um, your wife who's five foot two, 100 pounds soaking wet, you know, whoever, or, or your daughters or whoever um, defending themselves from attackers, which, you know, they're vulnerable, like we should give them something. And so I, I've been going on for a little bit, but I appreciate that you had the chapter dedicated to just going through these one by one by one. Uh, What's an assault rifle? So What's a high pack capacity magazine? X Y Z. Yeah, there's so many, and and I, like I said, I've been doing this for so long. I've heard it all. I've heard every possible thing. I mean, I do have one chapter where I get into the stuff that's newer, like last five years they've started doing. But um, I go I go through everything I can think of. Like the weapons of war thing is so silly because they're like, well, nobody needs a weapon of war. Well, actually, we do, and I, I get into why we want weapons of war, specifically the Second Amendment. Uh, being the big red button on the Constitution, you know, it's vital. And in self-defense, you want a weapon that's uh, effective and accurate and reliable, just like the military does. And the weapons of war thing falls apart. And like I said, the Remington hunting rifles and Winchesters and, you know, Remington 870 pump shotguns, those are all weapons of war. And in our lifetimes, uh, even the revolver uh, was a uh, weapon of war. It was issued to air crews as late as the the um, Gulf War. And so all of these things are weapons of war. So the whole weapons of war thing is just kind of this silly uh, emotional misnomer. Um, you know, they're, they're talking about like AR-15s, super popular, common in America. Uh, they freak out because they get used in crime. But you know what? They get used in crime because they're the most common gun in America. It's like getting mad that a Honda Accord is the most likely car to be used in crime as a getaway car. It's because... There's millions and millions of Honda for courts. That's just how it is. Um, I don't know. We deal with these people that I find that there's there's the people who are well-meaning but emotional, and they'll make these arguments because they hurt them and they and they want to help and they, they 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 actually do care, but they're they've just kind of been lied to for a long time, so they don't know any better. Uh, and then you got the other group that knows better, and they don't care. They'll flat out lie to your face. They'll make stuff up. Um, they'll, they'll push for policies that actually hurt the demographics and communities that they're trying to save supposedly. And they just don't care because to them, it's all about winning. It's all about getting more power and more authority. And they'll lie to that first group of emotional people and just manipulate them. And it's, it's really gross and it's, it's, uh, it's messed up. And I've been watching this for so long that I know all their arguments better than they do. So I try to go through pretty much all of them. Uh, I, I probably missed some because there's, you know, hundreds of them, but I hit everything I hit, you know, high capacity magazines. Uh, what, what's an assault weapon, which is a yeah. made up term. Um, background checks, uh, the gun show loophole. You know, I, I just try to break down all of these things. But yeah. it's like you said, man, we, we want this effective stuff because this is about defending our families. I want my wife and my kids to be able to defend themselves. And I want everybody to have the rights, uh, the second amendment is for everybody. So I don't know. I, I, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to fight the good fight and I'm trying to help other people get into the fight. So I, I hope it works. Absolutely. And you know, a big, um, purpose of the show is trying to spread this awareness to other people, especially the marginalized minority communities who, who will tune in and, and enjoy the content, but also, 
I want everyone, especially those who are kind of new to this space, as you, as you know, 2020 was kind of a, a boom year for introducing new demographics into the space. Um, I really want them to understand like, what does, what does, what is, what does freedom actually mean? You know, cause most people, they have the luxury of not really thinking about that. You know, you yeah. know what does it take it's, to defend freedom? Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things that's easy to take for granted until it gets put in your face that, that it's being taken from you. And it's interesting because 2020 was, it was a bad year in a lot of ways, but was really interesting to me is if you look at the numbers, uh, gun ownership skyrocketed. And you can talk to any FFL in America, they'll tell you the same thing. They had lines out the door, people were paying scalpers prices, and those weren't gun nuts because we got ours. We're, we're not going to like wait in line and, and panic because we've already got our guns. Those were new people. And a lot of it was you had a breakdown in society. We got this societal contract that people would just kind of abdicate their responsibilities and assume the government will take care of them. But we saw in 2020, we had people who all of a sudden they realized they were on their own. And they had police departments saying, hey, if you have an emergency, don't call 911. You're on your own. Good luck. We can't come. And so all of a sudden, these people who their whole lives had just taken for granted that I don't want a gun. Guns are dangerous. Guns are scary. All of a sudden, it was like, wow, the cops aren't coming. I, I'm going to get killed. And so they rushed out and bought whatever they could. And it's interesting because if you look, I have, I do have a, the, one of the chapters in the book is about the, the changing demographics and gun ownership. The way the left likes to portray it is often as, um, or the, I should say the media, the way they like to portray it is that like it's this old white guy thing. And, you know, it's evolved over time. At one point in time, it was primarily culturally an old white guy thing, but that's of the past. Most of those guys who were kind of stuck up and insular, you know, they wanted to keep this as their club. They're they're dying off. And if you look at the modern generation of gun owners, it's honestly a diverse and welcoming bunch because people, we get it. Like this generation of gun owners, we've been through it. Uh, we've seen uh, the people who are supposedly on our side sell us out. We've seen people say like, well, you can go ahead and take those icky, scary assault rifles. And as long as you let me have my duck hunting gun. And, you know, that those days are, are pretty much done because those people have aged out and everybody else is like, no, nah, we guns are for everybody. Guns for the Second Amendment is for America, all Americans. And honestly, the best thing that we can do, all gun owners, is like you're talking about the conversations and getting people educated. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of an evangelical gun owner. I mean, I, I'm not I'm, I'm not evangelical. I'm just saying that I, I like getting the word out. You know, I like getting people involved and training them. Honestly, the best thing we can do for uh, bringing people into the gun culture is take them shooting. You know, get them out to the range. Let them see that the stuff they've been told on TV is nonsense. You know, get them out the range. Have some fun. Teach them safety. Uh, I don't know. I'm, that's that's kind of how I roll. So <laughs> I'm hoping this book helps people who are sitting on the fence. You know, I, no, I absolutely. I was talking, I outed one of my friends earlier. He, um, he's, he wants to be a gun owner. He, he's, he, he loves the idea of having a gun for home defense, but his, his wife hates it. And, uh, she won't let him have a gun in the house. So I kind of wrote this book for both of them because she's not like super militant about it. It's just, just that she has heard all these lies over the years. You know, if you have a gun in your house, you're 43 times more likely to shoot yourself than an intruder, which is just made up. It's just this is straight up a lie. They just yeah. made it up. That's, and that one's been around since uh, since I was a little kid. I mean, that's oh, that's geez. from the 80s. 
So how, how could that statistic still be accurate today if it's the same, you know, <laughs> it's wild. Yeah, totally. It's funny because actually, uh, one of my favorite ones, because the dude just straight up lied. He took a sample, this tiny little sample, and then his math was all junk. But what it was is uh, I pointed out that that lie started when original Top Gun was in theaters. And it was still being told while Top Gun was in theaters. <laughs> that's how much time that's, has passed. That's hilarious. And they're yeah, still was, rehashing it. You know, yeah. that sounds so lame. Yeah, no, that's um, that is one thing. Uh, and I'm I'm glad that you were able to speak about the, this new generation of gun owners that's coming in and kind of changing the landscape in, in such a way because I truly believe that. The anti-gun movement, and I, I try to stay away from the left and the right just because I know people who consider themselves left of center who are very much pro-gun, and I, I'd hate to lump them in with this with this yeah. sad anti-gun argument. That said— And it's also, too, I know right-wingers that throw us under the bus in a heartbeat. Oh, yeah. Well, you don't need those dirty suppressors. That's what that's for criminals. And what do you want full auto for? And we're not for abolishing the NFA. Like, bro, get out of town. If you're not for abolishing the NFA, <laughs> we're not friends. Not like that anyways. Yeah. Like you can still talk to me, but I don't, it's, that's yep. kind of where it stops. That said, I am extremely excited about kind of continuing this conversation and bringing even more people in. And I'm glad that you are putting resources out here like the book in defense of the second amendment, which is a really easy read. Like, let's just put that out. And that's something I did want to talk about is when I first picked up the book and I've, I've kind of been reading a lot more recently than I have in even recent years. Um, I expected it to be way more academic for lack of yeah. better terms. Um, just kind of statistics and sightings and, and you do cite you do cite plenty of stats and you have a whole reference uh, page in the back for all the different articles and whatnot that you pulled, but it's a, an extraordinarily easy read. Almost so much that I was like, oh, I don't know, it's a little simple. And then it gets a little, then it kind of beefs up a little bit towards the middle where it's like, I feel, yep. I, it, maybe I just adjusted and I felt like it was more of a conversation. Like I'm sitting here talking yeah. to my guy and he's really just kind of letting me know like, bro, did you hear about this? Yeah, well, you know, reality is um, these people, they get offended when more people don't die in an incident because it kind of goes against the narrative. Yep. And so I appreciate that. And can now I know you're you're a fiction author by trade. Is that kind of where this conversational style came from? It is, yeah. I mean, because I love I there's some really good books out there that are gun rights books, but they're um, they, they they tend to be academic and statistical and cold and calculating. You know, um, I come at this. My background's guns. I mean, I was in the gun business, but I'm a storyteller. I'm a professional storyteller. My job is to talk to people and tell them an entertaining story. And so my writing style tends to be very um, just open and colloquial, just like I'm having a conversation with somebody. And so that's why I wrote the book. And so everything in there is factually accurate, and I cite the heck out of it. And, um, I mean, we did a lot of research. It actually took as long to do um, the backing up the sites and the research than it, as it did to write the book. Um, and I actually had a, a team of people from the publishing house went through and checked everything I said for accuracy. We actually had uh, a group of lawyers read over the book too, to make sure everything I said in there was like obeying the law and telling the law correctly. But overall, my, how I communicate is I'm just me and I'm just going to tell you what I think and how I believe. And I mean, I've got a lot of real life experiences and stuff and I try to tell those stories in an interesting way. And I try to use old examples instead of like, um, 
academic examples. You know what I mean? And so I'm just kind of going at it that I, I want to convince these people that the Second Amendment is vital and important and needs to be defended. I don't want to I don't want to bore them and I don't want to try to impress them like like because I can uh, because I know more. A lot of times we read these books and they come from a position of like I am the professor expert dude and no, nah, I'm just a guy. Uh, I say at the beginning of the book, I'm not a, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a pundit. I'm not a political pundit. I'm I'm just a guy. I'm a novelist who loves guns and has been into guns his whole life. Uh, and that's how I uh, and I got a lot of experience with that. But I don't I, I just want to talk to regular people is kind of what I'm going for here. And I, I, I think it worked out pretty good. And so I don't think there's anything really quite like this. You know, I yeah. I don't work for a gun lobbying organization. Um, I mean, I talk about them in the book because some of them do really good work, but I don't like pick any sides. I don't like, you know, say this is, this is the best one. Go join it. You know, I'm not, right. my, my, my team is America, you know, <laughs> I'm just trying to help. So, Thankfully so. Yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad you like that though. I, that's what I was going for. Yeah, no, I, I really came to appreciate it as, as things started to develop in the book. And I was like, you know what? I feel like I don't have to like take it to like another level to really sit down and marinate in the book and it, it didn't it wasn't a barrier for entry and I feel like a lot more people are going to be able to get into the book because you know let's be honest a lot of folks aren't reading like they should be and so they'll be a little dusty <laughs> it'll be yeah. a, little, a little hard to kind of get into something that's much more rigorous per se that said I don't want to insult anyone's intelligence and say that they're not capable because I think anyone is yet it, I think this is a really easy read and I just want to leave that at that that Anyone could pick it up, you know, even a, a kid in school could pick it up and read it and be like, oh, is this what is this is what I've been hearing on the news? Cause, and I feel like maybe this is a good book for uh, um, a certain age to kind of get into uh, the, the conversation anyways. I think honestly, if, if you have teenagers that are, are interested in this stuff, I think definitely this would be uh, I, I'd have no problem giving it to teenagers. I mean, I do talk about some some very harsh stuff i talk about use of force laws i talk about uh actual crimes i talk about mass mass killings i talk about different criminals and so it's pretty dark but like honestly like if you've got a mature teenager yeah there's no reason they shouldn't know this stuff too um yeah, absolutely I, mean, I started my kids out really young on guns so for me i, I just kind of assume i i always i've always kind of treated my my kids like grown-ups you know and they they turned out okay yeah. Now, use of force, that is an interesting topic just because I'm currently in a, in a course that it heavily discusses use of force. And we just spoke to an attorney um, who kind of like went through Texas use of force codes um, just to kind of like let us know like, hey, if you end up in this kind of situation, guess what? You're in trouble. So don't do that. Do this. <laughs> and and really just understanding when, you know, the, the levels of force are justified, um, and, you know, even just your, your physical presence being a level of force and then going on to the the final level, which is deadly force. Um, that said, I, I think it's super important to talk about that, especially as a gun owner, because a lot of guys, unfortunately, and I'm, I don't want to make any gun owner look bad, but there are a, enough people that they get a gun and they think it makes them powerful. And that yeah. is not the case. It's not, it's not a special shield. It just gives you a chance in the, in the case that you have no other choice. And I can't say that enough. So thank you for in the, going through that in the book and making sure that people are kind of aware of the, the different uh, use of force and whatnot. I would say that's probably honestly 
real, I mean, if I had to pick what would be the most important chapter in the book, I would say it's probably the, the chapter that goes over use of force laws, just because there's so many misunderstandings, uh, not just amongst the general public, but amongst gun owners too. And the more you know about that, the better off you'll be if you are going to have a firearm for self-defense to know how reality works as opposed to the myth and the, the news and TV, which is usually wrong. Um, so I, I don't, it's not like a, a big legal primer or anything, but it's kind of, honestly, when I used to teach CCW, uh, basically that was my lecture. Uh, that chapter was kind of the hour long lecture I would give on the fundamentals of use of force law. And I, I hope that people would kind of like read that and understand. Also, the other thing that really helps, even if you're not going to carry a gun, but you're kind of on the fence, if you read that chapter and you learn how use of force laws work, you will spend a lot less time uh, getting fooled by the news media because the news media loves to take different cases. They don't give you all the context. They don't tell you what's going on, but they set a narrative and they say, okay, this happened, this happened, get angry. Um, you know, but then if you know how the use of force laws work, you can look at that and analyze it for yourself and say, okay, no, this this was, you know, this was actually justified. This actually made sense. This wasn't just some crazy thing. This was a thing that, that a reasonable person in legal terms would, would find reasonable and would believe. Um, so I hope that chapter helps some people. Yeah. Um, I, I Cause I've seen some I dumb stuff out there. Yeah. It's unfortunate. Cause there's, and here's, here's the thing. And I, I got to put this out there. If we have, and I haven't read the latest statistics, but if we have 300 million Americans, give or take, depending on the year, in, in existence and so many of them are gun owners and so many of them are adults of a certain age who are able to get into a kerfuffle, you know, lack of better terms. You should know that many of them will get into situations that they don't fully understand. And even like, I know this doesn't have to be said, but even like in a use of force situation, if somebody gets mad at you and gets in your face and starts yelling at you, if they haven't touched you, you can't touch them. You cannot do it. Like I know that's I know that's a given for many people, but some people generally believe that oh, if you verbally assaulted me, I can knock your block off, and you can't. That said, I know this is not necessarily on the specific topic, but I hope that people are able to kind of read through that chapter and be like, okay, now I'm motivated to do a little bit more research. Now I'm motivated to maybe take a CCW class that is more comprehensive, or even if they've read the book and. They've decided, you know what, I haven't been, I'm not a gun owner. I don't plan on being a gun owner. I'm still not convinced. It's not for me. At least they'll have an understanding because you, can, you yeah. can become educated and not choose a path. It's perfectly fine. Yeah. That's one of the things I, I, I address is because there are people that it's just not for them. It's not, um, I mean, psychologically, they're just not wired to carry a gun. They're just not wired to have a gun. And that's fine. That, that's, that's a personal decision. Um, yeah, and so like if, if they're uncomfortable with the idea of having a firearm for self-defense, like they don't think they could pull the trigger on another human being, that's great. That's that's their decision. All that I ask and all that I, I, I implore of them is don't put that on the rest of us. You know, we're not you. You're not us. We're all different. And every single person I've ever worked with or taught, they all had different levels of skill, knowledge, uh, commitment, uh, courage whatever it may be. And I'm not saying anyone is right or wrong. I'm just saying human beings are different. And a lot of people were like, well, I could never, I could never shoot somebody. That's fine. And other people are like, 
oh, if I had a gun, I would get angry and, and shoot people over parking spaces. Okay, you definitely shouldn't carry a gun, you know? And that's fine too. That's good you recognize it. Yeah. But honestly, most of us, you know, we're fine. So don't don't put your problems and your hangups on somebody else. If somebody else wants to defend their house with a firearm or defend their family, uh, conceal carry a gun in public, that's up to them. I mean, you're, and so I think we have too many people in this debate are kind of busybodies. You know, they, they think whatever their state is, that's the state of everybody else. And they're going to impose it on the rest of us. And uh, that's just not fair. It's not. And I feel like now is a great time to go into a quick commercial break. So let's go ahead and do that. And then we'll continue on with the conversation. So for those of you who are listening at this point, thank you so much for listening to our guy, Larry Correa, author of In Defense of the Second Amendment. You should check out his book. He's not paid me to say that. I think it's a good book. That said, you should also check out Blackout Coffee. Why? Because they support the show. And anytime you purchase using our link, it helps. It helps tremendously. What we do here is rather expensive. And I would love if you would use the code ATLAS10 to get 10% off your order. Check them out. See if you love them. If you don't love it, return it. But if you love it, enjoy coffee during the show and we can enjoy coffee together. All right, now back to the show. Larry, so how did you find the balance between snark and genuine outreach? Because it's easy. <laughs> it's easy to get real snarky. I, I know you know. Oh, yeah. But how, uh, how do you that's find a the balance. balance. That's a hard one for me. I had to tone it down a lot because I've, I've dealt with um, so many willfully ignorant people and angry people over the years that I got like no patience left. Like if you see me on the internet and some dude comes up and starts going off about, yo, you just want to kill children and murder people. You angry redneck. You know, I'm so I'm tired of that. I've heard it all a million times and uh, I'm real short with those people. So when I'm writing this book, I mean, I definitely had to keep in mind, like, look, these aren't those people. I'm writing this for regular people. Uh, Just, you know, these are not the people that are on the internet yelling at us and, calling us baby murderers okay this is just normal people this is normal normal people out there who who are wanting to learn and you know trying trying to better themselves and so i try to i try to tone that down that said there are certain uh people in the book that i do talk about that i have no mercy um and i just can't i have no mercy in my heart for people i talk about some different anti-gun organizations um, that straight up have done horrible things and have lied and been caught lying and have twisted and manipulated. Those guys, no mercy, both barrels. I just give it to them. There's um, certain politicians uh, who have said some truly horrific things about the Second Amendment. Uh, once again, no mercy there. Um, in fact, the just so you know, like I said, there's a team of lawyers went through this book to make sure that everything was legal and factual. There were a couple things I said about certain politicians um, that the, they made me pull out because <laughs> they were they were a bit much. And, well, you know, they were well, like, you have to say allegedly that they're, you know, that's <laughs> and I'm like, OK. So um, I, I said some I said some pretty mean things about a few people. But to be fair, I'm trying to, like, uh, demonstrate to people just how profoundly dishonest uh, some of this is in the media. Because um, I think the media, there's a big chunk of the U.S. media is directly complicit in causing murder. I, I truly believe that because what we see uh, with mass killers um, is these mass killers are, well, some of them are completely chaotic. I mean, they have no real motivation. They're just nuts. 
But some of them are, are very intelligent and they'll write a manifesto saying exactly what they're trying to accomplish. I had to read a bunch of these for this and it's, it, they're gross. But you get these people and they're like, I want to be famous. I want to be powerful. I want everyone to know my name. And so they know that they, they need to cause as many casualties as possible. So they'll specifically go to gun-free zones, which politicians have created so innocent people are helpless. And they'll specifically tailor their crime to get the most media coverage possible. Uh, we've seen this. We've had them flat out say that that's what they're doing. We've had, we've had these murderers say, I'm going to go to this place because people are unarmed. I'm going to use this kind of gun because it'll be on the news more. And the more people I can kill, the more famous I'll be. And sure enough, what does the news media do? Uh, it rewards them. And yeah, sure, that guy, that guy is probably dead. He probably got shot. But the next guy, the next psycho, he sees that. And he sees the last psycho be the most famous man in the world. And he's on the news. The president of the United States will stop what he's doing and talk about him. Uh, he'll be on the cover of magazines. He'll be on the cover of Rolling Stone. And all of a sudden, so the next disaffected loner, crazy guy is like, oh, wow, cool. I know what I have to do. And that's why we see where there'd be like a, a rash of several of these in a row. And um, so those people, yeah, I'm I'm pretty mean. I'll be honest. I, I don't really pull any punches with those people. And then that, that's understandable, um, at least to me. I don't know about anybody else. But to me, that's understandable in the sense that some people are even unintentionally, seemingly genuinely complicit, um, just based on the numbers, based on what we see, and based on the industry standards that others have established in the sense that there are small independent news organizations. And even the course that I was mentioning, we, we talked about some of the, the mass casualty events. And one of the things that, um, like the one here in Texas uh, with, um, ooh, what was the hero's name? I, it's escaping me. Um, but they said, oh, the, yeah, we, the we, church. Yeah, the church uh, and Jack, Jack Wilson, and he stood up and took the guy out. And they, we actually know, know, like the guys in my class, they knew Jack or they know Jack. He's, he's still living. And so they're like, yeah, and we know that we knew the kid who did that. Or if you want to call him a kid, I, I, I like the term monster a little better, but not everybody will use that term. That said, no hard feelings. Um, so they were like, yeah, we're not going to use his name. We know who he is, but we don't like, it's just a class of like 10, 15 guys, guys and gals. And we're still not going to, okay. I respect it. Why? Because we want to continue in the tradition of not promoting, not glorifying the names of people who yeah. literally do this, did this for fame. Literally yeah, don't reward for, them for, for public applause in, in the sickest sense so why would why would we and when we see small news organizations like different youtubers who do news stuff and whatnot and even some independent media guys who are really good about not saying the name of said killer and then you hear oh msnbc cnn and i don't know if legal will clear me saying this <coughs> i mean i've not talked to your team i guess they can take it up with me <laughs> it oh, it's fine <laughs> um and when we see these large news organizations being just willfully ignorant or I guess feeling like it's their journalistic duty to save the name of XYZ killer, a uh, troll monster guy who really feels like it's his, it's his duty to become powerful. Um, I think it's just insane that we continue 
to allow these people fame. It makes no sense to me. So I, I can appreciate, um, your, your, your feelings in that sense. I, I managed, I managed to go through this entire book talking about dozens and dozens of cases. Uh, and I never once named one of them. Like I, I mean, every time I talked about a case, I would talk about the, the time, the date and the location. Um, and if I did talk about any names, it was usually the people who fought back, um, the heroes, the, the people who stood up, the people who made a difference. I don't want to I don't want to give the monsters. Um, I don't want to give them what they want. And I don't want the next potential bad guy to look at that and say that that's the way to go because he wants to be famous, too. And I think, honestly, um, the, the uh Ebert, uh, Roger Ebert was a famous uh, critic, uh, uh, movie critic back when I was younger. And uh, I disagree with this guy about everything very politically. But he, he said once, and he is a member of major media, and he, he said the worst thing we could do is give these guys what they want. And I agree with that. And uh, I mean, so, some people on the media side do see that, but most of them don't. Or I think they are actively encouraging. They would like the body count. And I hate to say that it's gross, but um, it's interesting. I, I, I do talk about, I have a chapter where I talk about the vultures is how I refer to these people. That's because they're perched and they're waiting. And then when there's something horrible, they swoop in to, to, you know, take advantage of the tragedy. And we see this over and over again. And I go through like the pattern and it's interesting. Every time another one of these happens in the news, you can see the same exact pattern. And I've been watching it for decades and it's always the same. The only difference is they've gotten more blatant and uglier about it. Like they're um, they're they're not they're not suave anymore. There's nothing uh, there's nothing smooth about it. They just come in and they bludgeon you over the head. It's the first thing they say is okay. The bad guy is the bad guy. Is somebody that we can use to malign people we disagree with. If not, is uh, the gun something we can use to push for more gun control? Um, it's, it's very, it's a very cold and calculating way they do this. And it's all to prey upon the emotions of that first well-meaning group that I talked about of people who they're not necessarily out to destroy America and steal your rights. Uh, but they're kind of like, like, you know, Stalin referred to the useful idiots. It's just, you, you, they spin a narrative and they, and they, and they swindle people. And, uh, so yeah, I, that's one of those. That's one of those topics I had to talk about in the book because it has to be covered. But I tell you, it's 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 kind of wearying to to honestly go into all these cases and murders and and study this stuff and and see this pattern over and over again. Absolutely no, and I I respect uh, the fortitude and wherewithal that it takes to kind of go through and kind of beat yourself up in the, in the emotional sense to tell the story and to be honest about it. Um, that said, I mean even what you said about the media narrative and even right now there's currently a uh a mass shooting that or a mass murder or mass killing event however you prefer to say it that happened recently and i don't want to speak too definitively about anything because it's still very fresh uh, and as you and i both know the the facts will come in and then the facts will change and the facts will come in and then they will change in a matter of minutes, it seems. So we can't speak definitively about it, but it seems in California in a a decent area, um, somebody went in and murdered 
about the estimate is about 10 people. If I'm not mistaken, um, you can, I heard 11, 11. That last I heard earlier today was 11. I don't know what that is. What that's yeah, accurate I mean, or not. any one is one is enough. Um, one is enough to be a problem uh, for me anyways. Um, you, know, you know, any reasonable human being that said, we are seeing like, okay, the media narrative, the, the media cycle is not spinning as hard. And I'm like, wait a minute, this happened on over the weekend. It's Monday morning. I'm on YouTube and I'm not really seeing all the people chirping about it. It's not so clearly the guy wasn't white. Like, yep. that's, it's so It's so, it's so predictable and dumb. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I, I read about the pattern and I was doing a radio interview this morning about that. And they brought that up and they said, it was, look, it's the pattern you put in your book. Uh, we watched it today in real time. Um, the, the, the killer, uh, the first thing they do is they rush to conclusions. Uh, we had us congressman like at, uh, Adam Schiff, uh, tweeted about how there was this crime and the victims were Asian. So clearly this is a case of, I'm paraphrasing. I can't remember exactly what you said, but this is probably bigotry. Uh, and this is hatred against the, uh, Asian and Pacific Islander community. You know, and, and it's like, this is before there's any information out there. And then it comes out that it's a guy who was part of that community. It wasn't like a bigotry thing. It was a personal thing. I mean, we don't know the details. Obviously, I don't want to pontificate. But it's more just an example that it doesn't matter. They they take whatever the, the thing is while the emotions are high and they, they just strike. Um, and they make up whatever they want and they just lie their butts off. and uh, And they do that to us. And then when the facts come out over the next usually three or four days and that doesn't work with their narrative, they just drop it. So like I said, if, if it had been a white guy with a big red MAGA hat, uh, you know, we're even a Confederate flag. It would have been everywhere Monday morning. It would have been on every news station pounding in your head over and over again. And it's yeah. just, it's so dumb. <laughs> it's so dishonest. Yeah. Which is funny because like we already said earlier, the gun owner demographics are changing. So a, a white redneck is not, uh, and I, I say that with love. Okay. I lived in Alabama. All right. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not bagging on rednecks. Love you guys. <laughs> but what I'm saying here is they, they portray it as like a racial thing. And it, it, gun ownership is not, the second amendment is not a racial thing. It right. should not be a racial thing, but, and it shouldn't be a right or left thing. Like we said earlier too. It's just, but they, they try to stratify it and do that because that way they can just have their little easy culture war narr narrative and just boom, packaged, done. No, you're uh, you're unfortunately correct. And I hate that we can't give the same level of, of ire and um, what's the word? Just focus and let's the, the do some things. I, I wish the do some things from your book would say, hey, let's do something about um, in this case. And I, I don't want to speculate or pontificate, but it's been reported, oh, we believe it's a domestic violence thing. Then why aren't we talking about that? Like, like yeah. let's let's get into that. Domestic violence is a real problem in America. Like it's not in the worldwide, I assume, just because you put men and women in a room together for years and someone's going to be upset eventually. That said, uh, the solution is never violence. And if you do struggle with that, seek help. There's plenty of resources out there. And um, don't take take it out on the people that you're supposed to love. That said, kind of moving forward in the conversation, I'm just frustrated because 
as you, you even mentioned this in the book, you know, like if it's, if the person is Asian, if the person is black, if the person is anything other than white, and I'm, I'm not here white knighting for, you know, white dudes because they can stick it for themselves. But the reality is, let's, let's be clear, just because several instances has been, you know, majority of Americans are white. And if we have a certain population that is white and a certain population that owns AR-15s, it's one of the most common rifles, wouldn't a strong amount of emotional crimes or crimes that seem to be crying for mental health, and I don't want to blame mental health on um, some of these issues. I think some of these issues are just issues of evil in one's heart. Um, you can agree or disagree. That said, I, I think that we should move beyond the, oh, look at these uh, these angry white man, must be a conservative guy. Well, one of the last uh, mass casualty events was from a person who is Hispanic and a part, seemingly a part of the LGBTQIA plus and yep. otherwise community. Um, no disrespect it, there. It's, just, yeah. No, it's, it's because honestly, evil people can spring from any group. Um, yes. No one group has a... Uh, has cornered the market on bad. Everybody can produce a crazy guy or an evil person. I mean, that's just how it is. It's so sad too, because it, it honestly does a disservice to the whole thing and the, the way they play this game. And I, 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 I try to put some ideas in the book of like, what are the proactive things we can do to stop these guys? Because, you know, afterwards we can look at who they were and what their manifesto was and what they were trying to accomplish. But, in that moment, that's all irrelevant. All that matters is you want to survive. And the best way to survive is to stop that guy. What stops these killers is a violent response. Every time, that's what stops killers, violent response. And the violent response can either be quick by somebody who's there, or it can be slow by waiting for the cops to come. Uh, and if you have somebody who's there, they're going to have less time to kill people. They're going to have less time to work. And if you have to wait 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes for the cops to come, they're going to kill more people. And so honestly, the best single defense against that kind of terrible, rare, but terrible event is an armed populace. And it's just regular people can still carry firearms. I mean, so like this, this event happened in Los Angeles. Uh, it is so hard to get a concealed weapons permit in Los Angeles. It's, it's one of the worst places in the country. They do have concealed weapons permits, but you pretty much, you have to be politically connected. Uh, you have to have a lot of money. And they're not just giving it to regular dudes on the street. You know, they're not giving it to me and you. They're giving it to tech CEOs. They're giving it to, to basketball players. They're giving it to bodyguards of movie stars. That's who's going to get it in LA. And then you look at California, they have an assault weapons ban. They, they have the strictest gun control laws in America. They have every stupid law that I go through and the, the do somethings like do this, do that, do this. California does it all. California bans every type of gun you could think of. They ban most handguns. Uh, they ban most rifles. Uh, they have all these weird features they're required to have, and it doesn't make any sense. And they have a waiting period. None. Uh, and so we have this horrible thing happen. What's the first thing that all the politicians say? Uh, we need more of that. You mean all the stuff that already failed. You're not willing to try to let people defend themselves. You just want to do more of the same stuff that failed. You want to force what California has done to its people onto the rest of us. And it's completely backwards. 
and we got all these examples. I go through dozens and dozens of examples in the books, and I provide sites to places where you can find hundreds and hundreds of examples of armed citizens defending themselves. And like one of the things is that they always say is a good guy with a gun is a myth. Uh, right. It's not. And I provide so many examples where it's not. And and we provide stats where if you have an armed person there, less people die. If you have an unarmed, if you have an unarmed group, more people die. Period. Yeah, you know it's it's really interesting. And I, there's a few more questions that I'm I'm dying to ask you. Not dying literally, but I, I really want to ask you. Um, but the the reality is, I personally at some point believed some of these myths. Like I haven't been in the gun space my whole life. Um, this is not necessarily relatively new, but um, it, as I became an adult, I became more active in the Second Amendment sphere as in exercising my rights and, you know, engaging in the space in, in this way anyways. That said, um, I have heard even in recent years, oh, a good guy with a gun is not really a thing. And you hear Bill Maher going on about it and different people. And you're like, oh, wow, you know, Bill's kind of educated and Bill's kind of coming around on some of the stuff. And he says it so convincingly, like he says it in such a way where it's like, hey, you know, like, buddy, like, and I'm doing my best Bill Maher impression. Like, you don't need a gun. What do you need that for? <laughs> and good guy with a gun, you're more likely to get killed. And there have been plenty of late night comedy hosts who have gone through, and I can't remember the exact one, but there was one of those late night shows where the guy gets a gun, goes to the shooting range and does this and that, and he's like, whoa, this is crazy. And uh, it's just... I respect this book and I appreciate uh, the, the insights that it brings because I've heard all the same things and at some point, some of them I believed. And not because they're true, but because they said it in a convincing way. And yeah. I guess I was a little gullible. Well, no, don't feel bad. Uh, you, you don't know what you don't know. And we've all been there. And, and to be fair, they have a compelling emotional argument. They always go for the emotion, uh, that low-hanging fruit. And it doesn't matter if their ideas don't hold up to logical scrutiny. It doesn't even matter if their ideas are backwards and make the problem worse. They just give them to you in such a like, holier-than-thou, self-righteous, think of the children, won't someone think of the children? And yeah, even though like what they're going to do is going to make the children in more danger and they're going to right. cause more bad stuff to happen, they don't care. Right. And so a lot of people get suckered. They, a lot of people get suckered by this. I'm I'm curious to hear how many people have heard this saying in their life, at least gun owners rather. Um, how many children have to die before you give up your Second Amendment or give up your guns or whatever whatever the the end result is that people want. And some people will joke and say something kind of kind of dark, but. The reality is that as much as I would hate, I hate any time a child dies of anything, whether it be an illness or violence against them or their own parents or, or whatever violence a child can receive from the world, I hate that. It doesn't mean that my children should be defenseless from the outside world coming in because people will kick in your door in an instant. They'll kick it in yep. and do whatever they want because they have evil in their heart and the ability to to execute on that. Yeah, they're going so, no, for emotional manipulation. Yeah. Yeah, I mean you're 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 spot on, man. It's like honestly, it's like even if we lived in some magic fairy tale world where you could make all the guns go away, 
uh, evil people are still going to be here. And if yeah. every law-abiding citizen in America gave up their guns tomorrow, uh, the bad guys would still do bad stuff. They would drive their car through a parade. They would go to Home Depot and make a bomb. Uh, I mean, they've, they've made bombs out of pressure cookers. Uh, more people are killed with fists and feet and screwdrivers and baseball bats and rocks than what the left calls assault rifles. And, and so it doesn't matter. Evil people are going to be evil. And in the meantime, the only thing that we have that evens out the playing field between regular people and, and violent criminals is guns. Guns are our best tool. Um, I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm a big fan of um, uh, unarmed self-defense. I'm a big fan of yeah. pepper spray even. I mean, those are all tools in the toolbox. But man, I tell you, there's nothing else can do what a firearm can do. And so, I mean, I'm a, I'm a big guy. I, I'm a big um, I I've got daughters i've got you know i've got family members and i always see this one where you get some tough guy on twitter is like oh you just need a gun because you're compensating um yeah i yeah i'm i'm too old to like you know fist fight six dudes i'm gonna die right <laughs> and then uh but what about I mean, the, the whole company what, what about my mom i mean yeah. uh, does my mom have to fight barehanded against a dude who's twice her size you know, uh, should my should my daughter have to do that? And so so when you get those people doing that, it's just the gun is just a tool. It's right. uh, self-defense is the right. The gun is just the tool. Yeah. And it's, it's really interesting to hear people cite other countries. And I don't I don't want to spend too much more time on this topic specifically, but citing other countries and a recent conversation I had and that one will probably come out a little later. We talk about Japan and how they don't really have gun violence, but. The reality is their society is incredibly different and there is still violence. There are still, you know, uh, all the, all the typical violence against women and, and people who are, are not as physically capable. Um, it can happen. Knife violence is still a thing. Like don't think that just cause all the animes look cool and you know, it's a beautiful city and people are eating all sorts of interesting octopus and squid and stuff that, you know, people aren't still going to take you back and hurt you. Like, Someone's still going to hurt you. And wouldn't you rather they had a tool to defend themselves? Anything. But ultimately, a firearm is the most effective tool to stop a deadly threat. Also, and including a tyrannical government. But no one wants to talk about that. Yeah, but, uh, I do. <laughs> yes. I, yes, you do. Yeah, I, I went there. <laughs> yes, you did. Um, but let's we, we, we'll circle back to the tyrannical government. But I do want to talk about a hot button issue. Arming teachers. I'll, oh, yeah. I, I've recently had a conversation with Phil Smith. He's the president of the National African American Gun Association. And he um, went on for a little bit talking about how we need to arm churches, we need to arm schools, teachers, etc. And I had a few people in the uh, comment section being like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm with everything that he's saying, but I don't think uh, teachers should be armed. And I, I almost feel like they misunderstand the, the statement. Yeah. Um, where it's like, we want to force these teachers. We're going to strap them up. Like, here's your duty weapon. Here's your Glock. And uh, go out there and save those kids, buddy. It's like, whoa, 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 yeah. whoa. Where are you? If a teacher doesn't want to be armed, they're not going to be armed. Like, you can't force anyone to, to pick up no. a gun. That, talk that's talk the about first this. Thing I, yeah. That's the, I mean, and this one I have a lot of experience on. Um, 
because uh, I used to teach teachers uh, concealed carry classes for free because um, my state actually allows for armed teachers in school. And it's basically how it is, is if you have a concealed weapons permit and you would like to carry your gun to work, you carry your gun to work. That's all it is. I always got to specify very first thing is it's voluntary. It's 100 percent voluntary. It's not mandatory. No one would ever want to arm all teachers. Um, it goes back to what I was saying earlier. It's not for everybody. I mean, psychologically, emotionally, it's not for everybody. But here's the thing. I guarantee in every single school in America, there's at least one or two or three people who are capable and intelligent and they've got training and they've got a background and stuff. Let that guy be armed. Let that woman be armed. Um, an example I like to use is uh, back when I was teaching um, teachers, I had a principal and a couple of his teachers and a janitor uh, bus driver came to my class and they had an event that a student had gotten real violent, had been armed uh, and the teachers dealt with it and the school resource officer, the cop was not there. Um, and the, so the teachers, the unarmed teachers had to deal with the situation. It worked out, but it scared the heck out of them. And so this principal at that point said, look, it's legal for us to have concealed carry in schools here. I don't want to be unprepared and have kids get hurt uh, because I wasn't protecting them. So he went out and he got a couple other teachers that he knew and trusted as being people that were squared away. And they came and took my class. And in fact, the, the janitor was a, a, a recently returned. He was a young guy. He was a recently returned Iraq war vet. I mean, so this guy had combat experience. This guy had extensive training provided by the government. Um, why wouldn't I want this guy armed in my kid's school in case something horrible happens? And one of the things I got to specify is like in Utah, they're not cops. They're not searching lockers. They're not, you know, doing anything. They're not arresting people. No, you don't even know they're armed. They just, they have a gun. It's under their clothing. Uh, no one ever sees it. The only time the gun ever comes out is if it's a life or death situation. Um, and we see people all the time, they'll get all hysterical about this. And they'll be like, oh, if you have guns in school, then it's going to be like murder and chaos. And teachers are going to be shooting students if they get lippy. And they're going to be shooting people over car parking lot spaces. And, you know, it's it doesn't happen. Yeah, we, we've no, had that's it for actually, over a decade. That's actually been a big concern with um, a certain uh, a section of my audience who they they're very aware and conscious of some of the issues between more specifically uh, black students living in a, in a world that doesn't quite understand them because they're from different environments or whatever the reason is. Um, and the, the question has always been like, Hey, you know, we see this situation where this one teacher literally locked a kid in, out in the cold for several hours. Now, well, what if you gave that teacher a gun? Would that student be dead? Or all it takes is one, this is one of the, more valid arguments that I heard, which maybe you can debunk if you want to, which is all it takes is one teacher to mess around and kill a kid or even injure a kid and it will shut the whole thing down. Now to this yeah. point, you know, in Texas, we also have what the, was called the, the guardian program. I'm sure you, I think you mentioned it loosely in the book where if basically the school district says, go for it, teachers can either, um, Generally, they can uh, uh, be armed sometimes through a program or however however it's done. Um, and there's teachers literally in my uh, in my area. I think they're more private school teachers um, who can go through PPL programs and become armed. And people people like that PPL being like level four security personal protection officer, uh, which kind of gives them 
some additional education and some additional training, which is, I think, important. But I know you personally have said like, hey, some of the barriers uh, like forcing them to get anything more than a license to carry, you, you think maybe kind of silly. But before we address that, could you could you address the, the thought of, you know, uh, some of the racial tension between teachers and or yeah. uh, one teacher messes up and it's over for everybody? Yeah, because you're going to have bad actors. Uh, you're going to have some people that are just flawed people who are just bad people in any any uh, any field of endeavor. It's kind of like uh, cops. You can have, you know, 100 cops who are great and don't do anything wrong. And then you have one guy who is a scumbag and causes all sorts of troubles. Uh, teachers, yeah, it's the same thing. Um, you're going to have teachers who are just jerks or just dirtbags. And we see it all the time. It doesn't even involve guns, but there'll be like horrible things. You have teachers who will take advantage of kids, um, you know, in ways I don't want to, you know, this, we're talking guns. I don't want to get into this other, you know, other stuff, but there are going to be bad actors, but you got to weigh basically the cost, the pros and the cons. And if you have somebody who's truly violent and dangerous and, uh, you know, whether it's a racial tension thing or it's a class thing, or the guy is just a psycho, you could have abusive and dangerous teachers. And honestly, there's nothing stopping that guy from being armed anyway. Like if he is truly like breaking the law and he's a bad dude, he, it doesn't matter. Bad dude's going to have a gun, you know, cause he doesn't care. Yeah. So honestly, to me, that's one where you got to weigh the costs. It's kind of like, it's like, yeah, cops suck. Uh, or, you know, one cop sucks, a hundred cops are good, but that one cop, you know, causes all this trouble. Do I want to remove the other hundred cops, you know, off the street? Uh, Cause then the, what's that do? And so to me, the teacher right. thing is if you have a teacher who ha is armed and abuses uh, that at all, fire them. They shouldn't be a teacher to begin with. They need to be out of there. Um, I think the main thing you need to do as far as uh, concealed carry in schools is just amend your employment agreement to say, if you ever produce this gun for any situation that's not life or death, legal use of force, you're gone forever. You're, you're fired for eternity. Get out. Pack your crap. Doors that way. Um, because honestly, this is one of the, it's a cost-benefit analysis. And we're truly worried about protecting these kids. We're truly worried about protecting these places that are defenseless, hunting preserves the innocent. Then you got to put something there to protect them. And yeah. if you're not willing to put something there to protect them, then we're just paying lip service to this whole thing and we're sticking a, and then they come along and they want to do gun control afterwards, like sticking a bandaid on a sucking chest wound, you know, Yeah. you got to stop it from, from occurring. So, yeah, I mean, that is a valid point. There are power tripping teachers. I, I had a terrible school. I grew up in, uh, you know, California public schools, uh, junior gladiator Academy for, you know, gifted drive-by shooters. Okay. Ooh. I mean, my school sucked yeah. and, uh, yeah, you know, Merced, go Merced bears. <laughs> go Merced. But, yeah. And, and so, you know, it's changed, it's changed a lot, but my, my thing is, yeah, you're going to have bad apples in any endeavor, but you gotta, you, if, if it's worth it to defend the kids from the worst possible thing that can happen, then it's worth it. Yeah. You know, then that, that's to me, but I think that's a valid concern. But if you look at people who conceal weapon permit carriers are actually the single most law abiding demographic there is in America. Um, we beat pretty much everything else. And, and, and it's interesting because that's permit holders. 
that so it's not religious it's not it's not racial it's not sociological there's not a, a income difference it's the people who have chosen to take this extra step to defend themselves that gun, you know that people of the gun culture it's very rare that any concealed weapons permits get i mean they do they get revoked for criminal stuff but it's rare uh and it's almost never that they use their gun to do something bad it's more like tax evasion or yeah. you know something stupid something white collar and dumb yeah yeah so they got caught doing something stupid yeah yeah which is which is unfortunate um but i think you you've said some really interesting points and i I can appreciate um the 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 individual who has the the motivation to say like hey i want to do this the right way I've, i've met many people who are perfectly capable of going and buying a gun. This is Texas. Right now we have uh, constitutional carry. Thank goodness, because it wasn't like that when I first moved here. That's awesome. And the interesting thing is I know a lot of people who are perfectly able to go pass a background check, have a firearm, go train, but they're like, I want to do it the right way. I want to get my my, uh, license to carry. I'm like, okay, cool. That's fine too. I mean, I'll get the gun, just make sure you have it. And, you know, but you know, you can get your license to carry. That's, that's awesome. Go ahead and do you, do you fam. Um, but the, the thought that like, Hey, these people, they're submitting themselves for background checks in Texas. You got to be fingerprinted, which is an additional step. Like what person who is intent on doing criminal acts is saying, Oh, let me go get fingerprinted, make it easier to get caught. That's generally not the case. Yeah. Like if you're going to do something illegal or violent, you, you're going to do it anyways. And I'm not saying, like you said, that there aren't going to be some teachers or individuals who would go too far with their evil, but those people are going to commit evil anyways. Like, yeah, this isn't really going to make that much of a difference. Hopefully not. I'm, I think the evidence will show as more time goes on. Um, and I'm, I'm hoping and praying that it does not show itself in, in, in an ugly way. I, I, I really don't want to see that, especially because this is for the kids. It's for yeah. the kids. And like I said, we're, Utah it makes for a good experiment. You know, um, people always like to talk about follow the science. Okay, so we got, yeah. we got a perfectly good experiment here that we've been doing for almost 20 years. And it, it's not been the nightmare that they said it was going to be. And we have had incidences that armed teachers have stopped. Uh, we had an attempted kidnapping I, I wrote about in the book you did. where somebody tried to kidnap a kid from school and an armed teacher stopped him. You know, so we've actually had incidences that, that show that honestly it, it's a net positive. And so, yeah, I'm a big advocate for allowing guns in school. Yeah. And honestly, it's the more, the more that the government makes some places gun free and other places. Okay the more problems it's going to cause and the more people aren't going to carry anywhere because they don't want to get in trouble with the law. But think about who doesn't want to get in trouble with the law, law abiding people. Right. If you're a crook, you don't care. (laughs) I mean, who cares? You know, it's, it's interesting. And I'm going to touch on this point. Then we're going to move on to another major question that I had, which is in Texas specifically, uh, you can't carry in, most like hospital type buildings, which mm-hmm. if your gym is connected to a hospital, you can't have a gun in your gym, which I'm not saying that all people work out with guns. Most of them don't, but I would like to be able to have it with me <laughs> just in case. Yeah. You know, weird stuff happens everywhere. 
you know? I mean, like you said, evil travels. And I, I meant to bring that yep. up. And I, I, I kind of wonder what you mean by that. I mean, I have my interpretation, but what did you mean by evil travels in your book? Well, because I always see these people and it's, it's such a naive, weird way of looking at life. They're like, I don't need a gun because I don't go any place where bad stuff happens. And I'm like, what an incredibly naive way to live. Um, evil, evil moves around. Evil delivers. And it's and also people get like very weird because they're like, well, you don't need a gun, just don't go anywhere bad. Well, that's nice for you to say if you live in some place that's really safe. But what about the people who don't? What about the people who live in the place that's bad? Why should they be disarmed just because you are uncomfortable? I mean, uh, it's funny because like the 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 most vi high violent crime rate places in America are the places most likely to have extreme restrictions where people aren't allowed to have guns in public. And it's, it's so weird and backwards to me that people would have this idea that, oh, I live someplace safe. Uh, or I also see the one, too, where people who have a gun and they're like, well, I'm not going to carry it unless I'm going to go someplace dangerous. Well, what are you doing that for? <laughs> you don't know when a place is going to be dangerous. And if you look at a lot of these events that have happened, um, it's sudden. There's not rhyme or reason to it. It's just a sudden event. And when a sudden event happens, you either have the tools with you that will enable you to do something or you don't. And if you don't have the tools that you can fight back with, then you, your options are run, hide or pray. So yeah, I, I, I evil, like I said, evil, evil travels around, evil delivers, evil don't care. Um, and it looks for, it looks for targets of opportunity. And so I don't know, I, some people get really self-righteous about this stuff, but honestly, you know, we're all vulnerable. We're all human. Um, we are all imminently mortal. And so people, people just need to like realize that life, life is dangerous and there's bad people out there who will do bad things and just, you got it. You got to prepare for that and you got to deal with it. They're absolutely correct. Evil delivers, which is, we got, we got to slap that on the t-shirt if you haven't already. If you don't, I will. So you got to go ahead and take care of that. Go for it, man. For sure. I, I don't know. I don't know where I, I don't remember where I got that from. So I don't. I don't own it. Hey, man. I mean, like, hey, like to me, I like I picture like a like a pizza, like a like a pizza card, but instead of it saying like pizza, it's something like evil. It's like, hey, honey, did you order evil? No. Nope. Uh, well, they're here. Yep, they're Knock here on your door. Yeah. What's that? What's that? The old uh, hide your kids, hide your wives. They're climbing in your window, yeah. snatching. Oh, I love that guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> snatching your people up. Hide your kids, hide your wives. Um, moving to, uh, I guess, a point of contention. I I think I understand what you mean by it. And this has been kind of a, a point that a lot of gun guys have said, or a lot of uh, Second Amendment advocates per se, um, which is the media, they... They want more bodies. They're not happy if not, uh, only a small amount of people got killed. You, you mentioned it in the, in the book, fantastic book, in defense of the Second Amendment. Um, but you basically implied several times that, hey, you know, the media, they're disappointed if not enough people get killed. Do you really believe that? Or do you feel like there's any, like even a slight amount of hyperbole in, in that sentence? Or do no, you generally believe I, that, I, hey... I genuinely believe that. I yeah. really do. I think these, that we're dealing with, um, we're talking about the media. I think we're talking about a group that is so insular and so full of themselves and what they believe that 
they see they see tragic things in the news every day, right? That's just their I mean, their job is to report this stuff. And I think a lot of them. And I'm not saying all reporters. There's a lot of decent. I, I've I've met a lot of reporters that are actually decent human beings, and I've met others that are honestly the the worst people I've ever known and uh, pro- most profoundly disingenuous and dishonest, uh, pathological liars, uh, narcissistic, um, manipulative people I've ever ever had the displeasure of dealing with. And so what we have is if there's an event, you can almost see them uh, being gleeful about it. Yeah, they'll, they'll put on their they'll put on their fake tears and they'll get all solemn and they're actors, you know, they'll act for the camera. But you see them be disappointed. Uh, like we talked about some of these other shootings where the identity of the shooter turned out to not be the kind of person they could capitalize on. They're disappointed and it drops off the news. When it's something that it's like a horrible thing and it's something they can make political hay out of, they're they're downright gleeful. Um, and you can see it. I mean, they're they're I've been watching this for 30 years, and they're enthusiastic because I think part of them, I mean, yeah, some of them are just nihilistic jerks, but others they are kind of like uh, do-gooders and they they so they think they know what's best. And so if if they can lie, cheat, and steal and manipulate to to make the world a better place, which in their eyes is disarming all of us, and they're going to do it. And so there'll be there'll be cases where uh, a, a mass uh, casualty event will happen, and they'll be just like, "Oh boy, this is so exciting!" You know, we're gonna we're gonna like, you know, and this just shows how guns are bad, and shows how Americans are bad, and how you need to be controlled. And then something will come out that changes the narrative, and it's just like, "Oh no, yeah, well, no, oh, well, we're we're wrong." And yeah, so no, I, I have nothing but disdain and loathing for people like that. And uh, so I don't just imply that they're that they're vultures. I mean, I flat out say it. They're vultures. They're they they want carnage and they they reward it. But, you know, like we said earlier, they they flat out reward the killer. Um, they give the killer exactly what they want. And the killer will say, hey, I want to be famous. They'll make the killer famous. And they even provide lessons for the killers. Like they'll be disappointed. Like uh, say they want to ban AR-15s because that's a real common gun. That's the one they're all hung up on. When I was younger, it was AK-47s or Uzis, right? They, they, you know, just whatever was popular at the time, they're going to want to ban it. And if the killer, they'll be like, oh, he probably used an AR-15. They're so deadly. Get him off the street. And then I'll come out and like, oh, he used a pump shotgun. Or he used, uh, you know, something else. He used a pistol. And then the news will be disappointed. I mean, oh, well, just think how much more worse this would have been if there had been an AR-15. And then the next killer is like, oh, okay, I'm going to make a note of that. (laughs) I mean, clearly this is what I need if I want to get maximum media coverage. So, yeah, I I don't just imply it. I'll flat out say it. I, I, yeah, they're awful. (laughs) Yeah, no, I, uh, with all that said, it makes perfect sense why you feel so strongly and why you didn't necessarily mince words when addressing the the vultures per se. Um, I I do think that the old saying "if it bleeds, it leads" applies heavily to yeah. this thing, and it's it's horrifying because it's like, man, I really hate the the idea that what. America loves to hear about, and when we say loves, we come, we come, we come engrossed by the train wreck of, of violence in America uh, is enhanced more specifically by the reporting of it. Like, we have a choice. 
we could say like, hey, listen, I know this is good for ratings. People see it and they get they'll get emotionally excited or horrified and you know, you'll have granny sitting by the TV kind of sipping her tea, shaking, you know, just not quite yeah. sure what to do. We, we got to do something. And now we're watching more commercials. Now the more commercials means more income. The ratings are going up. We're, we're superstars. We're getting Emmys. But I think the soul of America and the children within it are more valuable than an Emmy and some dollar bills, in my opinion. I think you're right. Yeah. Uh, that said, we're going to go to a quick break and then we're going to finish out on some of these questions that I have for you. And uh, if you have tuned in this far, thank you so much for, for being a part of the conversation. I hope that you'll drop some questions down below. But before you do, consider this. Consider joining us on Patreon because that is the best way to support the show. You and your monthly gifts and donations slash uh, contributions, they go towards this kind of building out the studio, making sure we can do more in-person things. And of course, having awesome guests like Larry on the show, um, promoting his book and, and just having the real conversations that we want to have. That said, please join us there. And even if you can't join me, join me on Instagram at armed underscore Atlas, because we're having cool conversations over there. And of course, costly underscore conversations underscore pod for the podcast clips those will be all over there so check us out over there thank you so much and back to the show larry thank you so much for for being here and you know talking about your book the amazing if you haven't picked it up guys in defense of the second amendment where, where can people find it first of all um, it's available everywhere books are sold. So yeah, Barnes and Noble, Amazon, independent bookstores, uh, actually some gun stores are carrying it. Nice. Um, which is pretty fun. Also, if you listen to audiobooks, it's available on, uh, audio and you can get it on like audible.com or uh, it's from Blackstone. So anywhere audiobooks are sold too. Excellent. I, I love audiobooks. Like this is actually one of the first physical books that I'm reading in a minute. And I'm, I'm like, Hey, you know what? Readers are, uh, leaders are readers. So I'm gonna read. So that said, yep. Is, is, is freaking awesome. And I hope that people, however you listen, will support the book and support the work because more conversations like this need to happen and they won't happen if people don't support the work. That said, I, 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 it's my understanding that many people are supporting it. So they, people should continue to jump on and support this thing. So, yeah, it's actually um, on the pre-orders. It's, it's done extremely well. Um, it's, it's shaping up to be really huge. Uh, I'm very excited because this is the first nonfiction thing I've ever written. I've written a ton of uh, novels, um, so I'm used to that. I've been through that a lot. But so this is my first rodeo <laughs> with nonfiction. And like um, it's so far really, really exciting. And uh, I'm really excited that people are uh, are looking forward to it. And I, I hope you guys like it. And I hope it I hope it moves the needle. That's my that's my fervent hope is that it actually helps the debate. I think it will, and I, I think really one of the one of the important things is that people actually get they get their hands on it, take a look through it, and then give it to that aunt or uncle who is like, "What you need guns for? Oh, are you are you a police officer? Because he saw me posing posing with a gun or whatever, you know, being a little gun bunny." But it's like, no, 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 no. Like, I don't have to be, you know, uh, in military or law enforcement to express my Second Amendment rights to defend my family with a firearm to train and to be uh, learn how to be extremely effective. And we'll leave it at that. 
uh, we, we don't have to be uh, uh, some sort of special operator in order to be effective. So that's that's something that I hope people will do is get the book, give it away. What is what is the best way to buy the book? Like what uh, is there is there a, a, a method of purchasing the book that really is more effective when it comes to I guess bringing in revenue so that this is more effective for you and the and the publisher? Um, is there a way? Honestly, I always tell people just whatever makes you comfortable because it all it all comes back to us and it all it all helps. And yeah. honestly, I, my thing is just whatever makes whatever makes you happy. Um, so okay. if it's audio, if it's if it's physical, if it's ebook, to me, I, I just I'm just happy to get it out there and I'm sure the publisher is too. So it's like, honestly, whatever you guys, whatever you guys enjoy. So support your local booksellers. Okay. So, I mean, that's, that's the big one. Support the local bookstores. If you guys can find it there or hop into a gun shop and support those guys. I think that's a big deal. Um, I've heard in the past that audio book sales don't necessarily help uh, the authors as much. I mean, that might be a myth or some sort of wise tale. Uh, well, but- well, getting away from getting away from gun stuff, but like I, I know a lot about publishing. What it is is the the bestseller lists are calculated off of uh, physical book sales primarily, and most of that's going to be on your release week because okay. it's about velocity of sales. So honestly, if you want to make a statement, uh, buy it the release week. But honestly, uh, I'm already a New York Times bestseller. I'm not going to make the list again. They don't like me. They know who I am now. Ah, <laughs> so they say, "Oh, he's uh, a gun nut. Oh, we don't like we don't yeah. like that Larry guy." Oh, Larry? Yeah. No, he can't make the list. Well, it's actually, it's actually funny. So a bunch of my novels made the New York Times bestseller list until they knew who I was, and then I've never made it since, even though my sales have gone up. Um, they're very biased, and that's okay. I mean, it is what it is. It's, but um, we, <laughs> we've already sold enough off pre-orders to make the New York Times bestseller list, but I don't think we're going to just because uh, they have my name on a, on like a post-it on the wall. You know, screw this guy. <laughs> Larry, don't piss somebody off. Sorry, Larry. <laughs> that that said, I'm I'm thankful that people are supporting the book, and I'm I'm hopeful that a few people in this audience will go and support. Not because we just want to sell stuff, but because this kind of book, this is important to push the needle forward, as you said, to enhance the conversation, so that people are maybe a little bit more equipped. Because after being battered online all day. I think it's I think it's helpful to have something that because I've I've been called uh, uh, like a, a like a child killer before or oh I I you know have the blood of kids on my hands like what what are you talking about I have two small children I love kids I don't like the kid the attitudes but I love kids in general that said this this kind of book is kind of a, a, a like a refresher course I'm like okay I've been hearing like horrible things all day this is there's a lot of truths in here. I would say all of it is based in truth and I think it's refreshing. So thank you for uh, going out of your way, doing the book, kind of taking a chance. I know it's not necessarily in your wheelhouse. There might've been some apprehension. I don't know what your, your process was like, but what did you have apprehension when jumping in? Oh man, I've done this so many times. That, yeah. It doesn't matter how many times you've written a book. Uh, every, every time a book comes out, you're nervous. It's just, uh, uh, so it's funny because like um, I said on Facebook the other day in front of my fans, I was like, wow, the, the book is doing really good on pre-orders. I'm very excited. And somebody goes, was there any doubt? Was there ever any doubt? And I go, always. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's, it's interesting from that uh, that parasocial relationship of a, a fan to, say, your favorite author or content creator, whatever you, one might call themselves, is you 
oftentimes as a fan believe in the person you support way more than they even do. Even even though, you know, on their best day, yeah. they, they might gas themselves and be like, all right, you know, I can do this. I'm a New York Times bestseller. I can go write a book. I love guns. Um, and I suppose we already talked about why you necess- why you more particularly feel qualified to write the book, being that, you know, you've been in this space for a long time. You understand uh, many things about quote unquote gun culture. I call it the gun community. You call it gun culture. I'm, I'm not sure if there's a real difference in those two things. I think it's just tomatoes, Hi. tomatoes. But. Yeah, pretty much. It's just, it's just a, it's a bunch of people, and honestly, it's it's a very wide bunch united by one thing, and that's yeah. believing in the Second Amendment. It, it honestly, I know people who like guns who are all over the board on every other politic, and that's why I tried real hard in the book too not to hit any other politics. Um, I tried to keep it to guns because that's what the, that's what we're talking about today, and so. If, if I disagree with you on a hundred other subjects, that's fine. But if we're on the same side on the Second Amendment, then we're on the same side on the Second Amendment, and let's take a stand together on that. Yeah. So I do want to ask, because I know we're, we're kind of coming to the end of our time, and I want to be respectful of that, but I do have like one or two more questions, so I'm going to try to fire those in there see if we can't finish out strong. In regards to uh, there is some – bro vet dude bros who have said in the past like hey you know we need some gun control that's probably the way we're gonna save america we need some uh we need to or 19 year olds really don't need rifles like you know i've served in the military i know best yada yada and unfortunately as much as i love the troops sometimes the 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 chatter isn't helpful guys like kind of cut it out like ixnay on the talking you know because yeah the the position and the authority that I serve the nation uh, gives is tremendous. So if you come out and say like, hey, you know, kids don't need guns, like people listen to that. That said, yeah. how do you personally feel about um, people like lowering the age of handgun recipients to under 21? Because right now it's set to 21. Some people want to boost it up. Some people want to do different things. Some people want to increase the age for rifles. How do you personally feel about that? Can you share? My personal thing on that is that I think if we should pick one age for adulthood and stick with it. And I think honestly that if you're an 18 year old, uh, I I moved out when I was 16. Uh, I moved out really early. I was out on my own as a teenager. That's just how I grew up. Um, My kids, uh, I raised, I have three adult kids now. Um, I have some that are not adults yet, but Honestly, when they're 18 years old, they're, they moved out. They're living on their own. They've got their own place. They're going to college. They have jobs. Why shouldn't they be able to defend themselves? Uh, why should they be denied the rights that the rest of us enjoy? Why should we make 18-year-olds second-class citizens? And I, I think it's really interesting that the same people who want to change the age of gun ownership to 21 are the same people who want to change the voting age to 16. You know? You got them there. Yeah, you you've you've got them there, and I've, I personally I've I've mulled about it in my head. I, I try to consider myself a two-way absolutist, but there's there are times where I'm like, hey, you know what? If you guys are so strongly against uh, young people, because there is some science to suggest that people's brains aren't fully developed, even though we give them cars that are tons, and there's no really no restrictions other than maybe like. CDLs and cl- different classes of licenses to drive like semis, but you can 
put it, get a kid, load him up in a, in a Tahoe, fully loaded with a bunch of bricks and let him drive around and no one cares. Uh, that said, that's way more yeah, dangerous, <laughs> right? It, it seems like that would be more dangerous in, in general, but I, I was like, okay, well, you know, if you're going to raise the age of 21, raise everything to 21. Like don't, don't force a kid to go into the military, like change the draft age. Uh, don't even let them join at 18. Cause how you got, you guys are taking advantage, right? Cause these kids' brains aren't developing. You're going to go let them, you know, lose their life on a battlefield somewhere for some old white guy in DC. Like, come on. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's that's pick one, pick one, pick one and just stick to it. Yeah. I mean, if you're mature enough to do one thing, I mean, you're either an adult or you're not, and they keep changing stuff. And, 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 and like, it's even some stuff is not even 21 anymore. It's like, you can't, um, rent a car until you're was it 24, I think is, is it 26. 24? Okay. Yeah. I just want to, here's the care. When I was 24, I was married. Uh, I had a kid, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, like I was, I was in college. I, I got married about, about 20. Did I get married at 23? Yeah. I think I did get married. I can't remember. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Heck? <laughs> like we are really kind of taking these things. It's like, wait, I was, I met my wife by the time I was um, 18 going on 19. And if we had gotten married, then I would be restricted on, on the types of arms that I could use. If we were going on a date, I'd have to literally bring a rifle with me. If I want to use a firearm to defend myself from, from whoever. Um, yeah. That said, I do want to hit on one last kind of more serious question uh, right before I ask you about the NFA and then we'll, we'll, we'll call it a day. Um, is there any time when gun laws are actually helpful? Like in your opinion, I know some people are like all oh, gun laws are infringements on my rights. And I think they're mostly right, but are there times where you feel like, okay, this gun law that we currently have is fine. Like we'll, we'll, we'll let it exist. We're not going to lose our mind because it exists. You know, that's actually interesting because, and being dead honest here, and I'm not just saying this because I love the Second Amendment, but no, uh, I don't think there is. Uh, and when I go through the book, I go through a, a lot of the existing ones. I go through all the proposals. I go through other countries. And I honestly truly believe that, no, it's not. Uh, the only thing I would say as far as, uh, honestly, like we have convicted felons and we've let people out of prison and uh, they, we've kept, we, we don't let them, own guns anymore. But you know what, if it's a nonviolent felony and the guy never hurt anybody, he went to prison for, you know, uh, unpaid parking tickets. I don't know, whatever, uh, embezzlement or something when he, or, 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 or he had drugs. Uh, he got caught with drugs when he was 18 years old and got sent to prison. And now he's 50. He's, he's a grandpa. He's got a business. Uh, you know, he, he's paying his taxes. He owns a house. But the guy had a drug charge when he was 18 years old. He doesn't have a Second Amendment rights. He's a second-class citizen forever. Um, so, no, I, I've never come across a gun law that I think actually does anything. Um, I go into a book on background checks, and a lot of people are okay with background checks. But I go into that, and they're they're worse than useless. I mean, they're completely useless. They don't do anything, like, literally, because the government doesn't even prosecute anybody when they try to break this law. But it, But we all have to obey it. So no, I've never I've never found one that, as far as I know that's worth a damn. Yeah, well, I'm I'm actually curious about. Oh, I hope people will read the section on on background checks because the reality is 
a lot of gun owners use like, no, there's, there's background checks as kind of like the, the like leave us alone piece for our, when, uh, people who are extremely anti-gun are like, Hey, you know, it's easier, uh, or, or, or girls clothes are more regulated than, uh, guns in America. I'm like, what? Okay. (laughs) Calm down, Susan. (laughs) Like, what are you talking about? But like people say stupid stuff, like idiotic stuff like that. And I'm like, I don't understand. But then we say like, well, you know, there, there are background checks. Like, you can't just walk into a gun store, pick one off the shelf and walk out. I mean, even though with in some countries you can walk into a store like a gun shop and pick up a suppressor and walk right out and it's like no big deal. And the the counter argument to that is guns are so heavily regulated there that the accessories are like what whatever. Like if you want that, you've already gone through tons of loopholes. And if you shouldn't have it, then you're probably a bad guy or something. Who knows? But yeah, they're so insanely restricted anyway. Yeah, which, um, speaking of suppressors, right before we go, the NFA, uh, I was listening to a podcast that Matt Gates was doing, and he was like, yeah, I want to present a bill that would basically defund the ATF, which I'm like, a Republican wants to defund the police? What? Okay, I mean, it's the ATF, so. <laughs> I'm 100% in on that one. Yeah. Um, but and I was in this conversation slash debate recently talking about like, okay, well, uh, should, should we need to uh, basically abolish the ATF? And I was like, I think, I think it's more effective to remove the NFA or some of these gun restrictions first because the ATF is completely toothless if they have no laws to enforce, even if they want to go around re-evaluating like, what laws exist to enforce them how they want to, as they often do. Um, but what... I suppose like with the NFA, I know you mentioned wanting to make some changes. What are these, what are these changes that you would like to make? Preferably abolish it. Um, but, uh, in the process of working towards it, cause it's just a bad law for people who aren't familiar with it. It's 90 years old. Um, it was created in the, uh, the gangster days of you know, Al Capone days. It, doesn't work. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, it doesn't. It hasn't kept up on technology. Uh, it 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 doesn't keep up on like what is popular. It doesn't keep up on what Americans are actually doing. It's just a lo- old, stupid, archaic law, um, and it's filled with a bunch of nonsense like uh, regulating short-barreled rifles, regulating short-barreled shotguns. Uh, and, and if you look at that stuff, it's really, really goofy because like the rules don't make any sense. I go through in the book and I, I break down how the rules work. But if I have a shotgun with an 18-inch barrel, it's not any more dangerous or less dangerous than a shotgun with a 17-inch barrel. I mean, if I made that barrel one inch shorter, it's not anything. It doesn't matter, except that's 10 years in prison, um, mandatory punishment. And so it, it's stupid. And, and part of the thing was it was like to ban powerful concealable weapons, except we all now carry concealed weapons everywhere. And these are larger than those. And honestly, it depends on what they are because you can have the same caliber even and one's illegal and bigger. It's, it's bigger and harder to hide and that's illegal. And I can carry a smaller one in a more powerful cartridge and that's perfectly legal. So that doesn't make any sense. Um, it also regulates machine guns. Uh, that's that's the law that they cut off machine guns in the U.S. Um, and then 1986, they stopped any new ones. And 
people don't realize machine guns are legal. We have legal machine guns in America. There's hundreds of thousands of them. And guys like me used to build them. And that's, you know, perfectly legal. And we just had to pay extra taxes and do extra paperwork. And so honestly, it doesn't make a lick of difference because criminals, there, there's far more illegal machine guns in the U.S. than there are legal ones. Because uh, criminals just make whatever they want. I mean, it's really easy. You can 3D print the parts you need to make uh, guns full auto. I mean, they're not complicated. These are not that complicated of machines. And uh, we see crooks all the time. You see videos of, of criminals showing off um, their illegal machine guns that they've built. And it's like, hey, look what I've got. You know, this is, you know, and they don't care. They, they just don't care. And so that's one of those that regular people, our rights are being stymied. Uh, criminals don't care. But honestly, if we were to work on the NFA, the first thing we need to hit is the short-barreled rifles, the short-barreled shotguns, because honestly, that makes no sense. Um, the ATF is currently using that law as a giant club to beat millions of gun owners, because for the last 10 years, we've been buying uh, what's called brace pistols, and it's been perfectly legal. Uh, the ATF said they were fine, and regular people were going to just the sporting goods store or whatever and buying these brace pistols. And then this last week, so two weeks ago on Friday afternoon, uh, the ATF came out and said, that's now a felony. That's uh, that's super illegal. And we've now got 120 days to register them with the government, destroy them or give them to the ATF uh, or they're going to or, or you're a felon, you know, and there's millions of them, millions and millions. I mean, somewhere anywhere. The ATF says three million. That's a stupid number. No one believes it. Uh, there's individual gun companies that have sold more than three million brace pistols, you know, in one individual company. Uh, and realistically, we're looking between like 14 and 40 million of these guns in the U.S. And so we're talking tens of millions of American citizens. ATF used the NFA to just say, boom, you're a felon. Uh, comply or go to jail. And that's going on right now. And, and so, yeah, the NFA has got to go. It's a train wreck. And it's where the ATF gets most of its power. Uh, the Gun Control Act of 1968 is based on the NFA. Uh, recent Supreme Court decisions uh, poke some holes in the NFA, which makes me hopeful that should there be a good, solid challenge against the NFA, like under this brace ruling, we might actually see. Um, well, I know Clarence Thomas and Sam Alito hate it. Yeah. Um, yeah, they hate the NFA. So uh, let's let's bring it. Let's let's get that to court. I'm, I'm here for it. fingers crossed. You know, prayers sent all all the different things, and uh, amen. I'm, I'm actually, I'm actually kind of excited with this whole race debacle because it's like y'all wouldn't actually be able to criminalize 40 million Americans who, some of them I've met who are like, ah, I'm not doing this, and yeah. everybody's adults; they can make their own adult decisions and choose how dangerously they want to live their life. And uh, I'm all for dangerous freedom, so do your thing. That said, um, I think this is going to literally push some of the uh, Republicans who claim that they are pro-gun to actually make a move or get out of town. Like Put up I'm, or shut up time. Right. I'm not some partisan guy. Like, if you, whoever you want to vote for, do your thing. But understand that if the politician doesn't actually stand for your gun rights, they're not, uh, they're not actually for you. Like, anyone who... Uh, this is a uh, guy that I'm training under. He's like, I would never train you to do this job unarmed because I don't hate you. I, I would never send you out unarmed. And unfortunately, there's so many politicians who would rather you be unarmed because it doesn't work for them. 
I said, for Republicans who claim that they're pro-gun and, and for any of the Democrats or independents who claim to support the people, it's time. Make your move. Put up or shut up. And uh, hopefully it gets pushed all the way up to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court can be like, hey, you know, uh, this isn't working. Let's just get rid of it. Reevaluate everything. And hopefully it makes more sense for the American public and making sure that we are properly armed and able to fight back against tyranny in all of its forms. Tyranny. Yep, absolutely. It's out here, you know, and it delivers. So, sir, thank you so much for coming on the show. This is, we're coming to the end of our time and I know it's, it's about time for you to hop off. Thank you so much for coming on the show. How can people find you? Um, you can follow me on social media if you're into that kind of thing. Uh, I'll warn you, I'm, I'm pretty abrasive on social media. I don't have a lot of patience anymore. <laughs> but I'm on Twitter. I'm Monster145 on Twitter. Uh, uh, just Larry Korea on Facebook. My blog is MonsterHunterNation.com. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's yeah MonsterHunterNation.com. So that's the best place to get a hold of me. Okay, MonsterHunterNation.com. And I'm sure they can find all your links there if they really are, are excited about your personality and they want to get into the nitty-gritty. But, of course they should most certainly grab a copy of the book because the more books like this that are supported, the more people can feel comfortable kind of making more content that is to a friendly, like imagine money, money motivates people and winning fixes everything. So how awesome would it be that publishers who are maybe on the fence can see them like, Oh, the second amendment book is doing pretty good. Okay. Well, I guess we'll, we'll green light another Jack Carr book, you know, or we'll do different things that are more, kind of in this space that is good friendly. Like I, I think it could Jet. be helpful. And I, I don't know that. I was going to say, Jack but... Carr is probably the only other author that gives me a run for my money. And like, as far as mainstream fiction authors, yeah, probably the only other guy that gives me a run for my money on gun nuttery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we, we, we appreciate uh, his, his uh, work. And of course, you know, we, we enjoyed the show and things like that, but let's go ahead and uh, do a quick sign out. And uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate you coming on and talking about the book. No, no, thanks for thanks for having me on. I had a great time. That was a good conversation. I appreciate it. I'm glad you enjoyed it. So that said, for those of you who are still watching or listening, please go ahead, check us out on all the social medias. There's links down below for all the stuff, different people who support us, people that we support. Um, of course, as I mentioned earlier, armed underscore Atlas is for the, for the PPU content. And of course, costly underscore conversations underscore pod for on Instagram for podcast clips. And of course you can find podcast clips here. This social media stuff is hard. So please share some of the clips out, help us to break through some of these algorithms because these people are not your friends. They do not care about your guns. They do not care about your freedom. They kind of want to push what they push. So how about you push what you push? That said, thank you so much for watching or listening wherever you are. If you're on the podcast side, subscribe on YouTube and otherwise, other way around and keep it costly. Thank you.